All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is the Wally and Mathot Show. Now, here are your hosts. Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot. Hey everyone, this is Craig. Welcome to the Wally and Mathot Show. Thanksgiving Day special, that's right. Uh, we had a little issue with our audio off the hop, so we lost about the first 10 seconds, so we're going to abruptly start with Mark Mathot telling you all about his day. Enjoy. You know what, Wally? I had a great workout earlier, and then I had turkey for lunch, leftover stuff, and uh, you know what? This is probably the best I've ever felt uh, on our podcast, wow. so I'm ready to rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited that I'm not even going to waste time. I'm going to get right to it. One of the things <laughs> is the chat will be busy today. Uh, lots of poll questions. We've got uh, fan questions at the end. So uh, be active in the chat. And uh, Craig is busy monitoring. I also think he's got gravy dripping from his chin. So um, mm. let's get right to it. Uh, first topic we have, and I don't even, I'm afraid of these topic headlines, but we're going to go with them anyway. Bunch of turkeys, we'll call it. Um, that is the contract negotiations continue between Brady Kachuk and the Ottawa Senators. At least I think they continue. They're not anywhere near done. The Ottawa Senators start the season on Thursday, Math against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, do you feel very confident we will see Brady Kachuk in the even first week of the National Hockey League well, season? <laughs> it's crazy, right? Because we keep talking about this. It's like, oh, Brady Kachuk again. Like, what else are we going to talk about on the podcast? But no, I... I can understand this, and I think people are starting to get a little more heated. We're starting to see some frustration build up on on the Twitter engine. Um, but do I think it's going to come down to Thursday? I mean, I assumed, 
I'm wrong, by the way, but I assumed that it was going to get done this past weekend. Um, you know, maybe I'm a little naive. I just assumed that Brady being Brady and maybe a younger player that he'd feel a little more pressure. And I was going to talk, at least speak on that a little bit because, you know, I'm starting to see some people blame his old man. Well, it's Keith's fault or it's so-and-so's fault or it's Matthew's fault. There's all, <laughs> we're, we're, we're scrambling to blame somebody because yep. we don't want to blame Brady and we don't want to blame our beloved Ottawa senators. Right. So I think, I think right now we got to cool the jets on that. I, I, I've been through this and, and, and more specifically with the Ottawa senators and it was very stressful. I was not Brady's age. I was a veteran. So I'd like to think that maybe I would have been a little less panicky being an NHL veteran at that point when I was in the middle of those negotiations. And I got to tell you, it's hands down the most stressed out I've ever been my entire life. And it was affecting everything. My sleep, uh, day to day, I was getting weird sciatic nerve pain randomly here and there. I missed a bunch of games. It was brutal, Wally. Brutal. So eventually I caved. But the, the point I'm trying to make here, it's simple. I had a lot of outside influences that were trying to tell me to do different things, right? My agent in, in specifically wanted me to hold out much longer than I ended up holding out for. And I, en I ended up settling. But, but the point is, I think with Brady, he's a different animal. He knows his worth and his value to this team. He's not desperate, and he's got a lot of hockey experience in his corner right now that are keeping him settled and relaxed. So if I'm Brady right now, I'm going to be nervous for sure because and stressed because you're watching all your teammates go to battle right now and you're not there with them. That's one of the worst feelings in the world. I can only imagine what he's going through. But I think at some point you got to think it's something's going to give here over the next couple of days, Wally. Like, come on. So – does the pressure end up being now on the player or at least self-inflicted pressure? As you said, I'm sitting there. Yes. I want to be with my buddies. Is that what ends up happening? You know, Brady's back in, in St. Louis, probably having a couple of Killaloo surprises by Whitewater. Don't forget the Whitewater <laughs> coupon of <laughs> Wally Mathai. Go to shop whitewater.ca. Uh. <laughs> That's what they call product placement in the business, Meth. Is, um, yeah. he's like, is he now he's hearing it from everybody. I'm going to guess like yeah. social media, whether you try to stay on it or not, like he posted a pic, it's his mom's birthday. He's on social right. media. So all that stuff is almost, is it crushing? Yes. Well, I mean, I, I, I these are only assumptions, right? Like we don't know the, yeah. every player is different. So it's, it's, it's subjective and it could be different depending on the personality of that individual. But, uh, you know, I, I think in this case, he's going to be sitting there as we mentioned, and as you just mentioned it and the pressure all of a sudden, shifts you know before training camp pressure was on the team a little bit more doing a little bit of damage control and everyone's kind of brady will still be happy go lucky because he knows he's still got a whole camp ahead of him all of a sudden training camp's gone and now the regular season is upon us and he's not here he's got no reps in he hasn't his conditioning I, i'm sure he's working very hard and everybody knows I'm probably going to be more biased towards the player. And I always am because I've yeah. been there. And uh, But in yeah. this case, I got to tell you, man, like it, it's at a point now where the, the the pressure really falls. Obviously equal parts in the team. But from, from a player's vantage point, when you're sitting back home, you're not in Ottawa, back in St. Louis, you're, you're, you're feeling that heat now. And, and I think separating yourself from social media is probably the number one thing you can do because all those voices – from you know all the different basements around Ottawa, Ontario right now are getting very angry and they're starting to send them stuff. And so those are things you have to avoid as a professional athlete just to maintain your sanity. Okay, here's the last question on Brady and then we'll move on. And that is, well, I guess like the pressure that he's under and 
now he needs to try and stay in shape and there's no way to stay in shape basically by skating around in practices and whatnot. How long is it going to take him to get ready for game action once he arrives in Ottawa? Oh, that's a tough one because it depends on the player. You know, in Brady's case, he's not a, you know, an elite skater, if you will, but he knows how to get into those hard areas. He knows how to get dirty. Yeah. Having said that, you still need to be conditioned. You still need to go through some form of training camp. So the question is, if he does get in, and let's assume he signs today, tomorrow, or the next day, whatever it may be, do they play him immediately? Or do they kind of keep him off the ice no. for a week or two to get him conditioned? What are you thinking? They're going to throw him in the fire? He's gotta, no, he's got to go through medical. He's got to right. somehow be... He's got to have a couple of skates. If you throw him in and then he's injured, because there's lots of talk about how guys who miss camp suddenly get hurt yeah. early on. If he's now injured and out for a month because he pulled a hammy or a groin, can you like? No way. Everybody loses. That. Everybody loses in that right? case. I he's, agree. So, I suspect so, it's like it's a week. But and 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 in the grand scheme of things, that's that's almost you know insignificant at this point. I think people right. just want to see him in town. People want to see a plane ticket on his way back, knowing that he signed some kind of deal. So be it if it takes three weeks to get into game shape. Who cares? I think people are just concerned at this point because now there are rumors floating around that, well, maybe he doesn't want to play here. Maybe he wants to move on somewhere else. So, again, I'm not trying to freak anybody out. That's another conversation for another day. <laughs> but right now, there's still there's still technically time, and I'm not trying to instill fear in anybody, okay? He'll be oh, – I, I, I firmly – I'll leave you guys with this. I firmly believe that he will sign. I think that's inevitable. It is, in fact, a matter of time. And, you know, like, if I'm Brady – I'm probably, and this is what, this is, I can only assume, I want to see long-term commitment from the team, right? I want to know that in five years, they're going to spend, if you are in fact close to being a contender, you want to know and have that reassurance that the team's not just going to sit at the cap floor, that they're going to go out and look for some legitimate players to insulate yeah. the rest of your lineup, right? So, and and of course, the other, the other side of this is the team just wants to see him here long-term. They want to know that he can show them a little bit of good faith and sign that long-term deal so they can give him the captaincy and commit to that. So I get both sides, but I know that if I'm Brady and I am a competitive player like Brady, I want to know that the team is willing to put a nice, a really good lineup in you know three years from now when the team is going to make a, a, a legitimate run for it. Here's the last thing I'm going to say on this, uh, just from my point of view, and that is, it continues to be a contract negotiation. So there really doesn't need to be sides for anybody to pick. Just somehow at the end of the day, neither side is going to be happy. That's the whole point of a negotiation. You have to give up something to get a deal done. A deal's going to Which get done. Win. They are going to be in the lineup, and we're going to complain about one way that the contract is too long and the other side to be they didn't give him <laughs> enough money, whatever it is. But he's going to be in the yeah. lineup. They're going to get a deal done. Anyway, um, yep. but I, before we move on to the next topic, I, I got to say, Matt, I have never seen as many comments in the chat about any part of you except today in your hair. People are in love with your hair. I don't know if you've used a different formula, perhaps another shampoo. Is hey. there a product? What have you done? No. So my wife um, happens to be a hairstylist. She doesn't do it anymore. But um, so she cuts my hair. But between the kids and my four dogs, um, it gets very difficult to slot in a time for Mark to get his hair cut. Right. So uh, I had to plead with her <laughs> you yesterday. Have to I said, listen, with the wife. I said, sweetheart, look. We're not doing anything today. It's technically a day off. Can you please cut my hair? So she cut my hair and there was this long, aggressive shelf, like step that needed to get fixed. 
but we didn't have time to do it in that moment right after the cut. So I'm waiting around sweating for two hours. Finally, I'm like, Ellie, you got to fix this. You got to fade it properly. So she, she cut my hair yesterday. Uh, I feel like a new man today. So I can appreciate, thank you fans or all the listeners for complimenting <laughs> my beautiful haircut. It's done. Now, what kind of tip do you give your wife uh, for doing your hair? <laughs> That's such a setup for any kind of comment, but no, I, you know what? I love her for doing it and uh, I'm very appreciative. Unfortunately, I have to wait a month and a half before my next cut now, but that's okay. I'm happy right now. <laughs> uh, Craig, while you're listening, do me a favor. I believe Alfie signed after his holdout on October the 13th, 1997. Hmm. I want to know if that's the case because I'm going to call October the 13th as the day that Brady Kachuk signs his deal <laughs> with the Ottawa Senators. Um, all right, okay, perfect. Okay, on to the next one. Hobble, hobble. Uh, brought to you by BEI, Bonisher Excavating, Inc. Go to BonisherExcavating.com. Um, they are helping to shape the Ottawa Valley. And speaking of shape, it looks like the Sens lineup is shaping up. So while there is no games between now and Thursday when they take to the ice, they do have some injuries to deal with. Obviously, we got the news that Austin Watson's out for a month. That sucks. I thought he was going to have a great yep. season. He's obviously missed the last 22, I think, games of the last year. Um, with an injury. I know he was really looking forward to being in that lineup on opening night. Also, Shane Pinto missed the last game, Thomas Shabbat. They held a couple of guys out with some, yeah, as Paul McClain used to call them, boo-boos. Uh, yep. And we also know that <laughs> Colin White's at the lineup. So a couple of key injuries in White and Watson. I suspect everybody yep. else will be ready to go. Um, mm. Should there be some concern right now with this kind of banged up lineup uh, going into the regular season and with already missing you know, uh, Brady Kachuk, they're going to miss three regulars as they get set to drop the puck here. Yeah, well, I, and it's funny you mentioned that, Wally, because the defense was considered the thin part of the lineup, if you will, going into the offseason yeah. where it needed to be addressed. I know we talked about getting a top six center, but forgetting about that, I think this just sort of brings to light how thin potentially the lineup can get with even just a couple injuries, right? So I think, if anything, this is a bit of a wake-up call for a lot of people. Despite how well the team was playing toward the end of the year, I think it's kind of sobering almost, which is which is yeah. okay, right? Because we're still technically, I know, I know everyone was saying, well, the rebuild is over, and but let's face it, the rebuild technically isn't <laughs> over. I mean, there's still we're still missing players, and this is not a Stanley Cup lineup. Everyone knows I'm one of the biggest fans out there, but I also I'm a realist, and I don't believe that this is necessarily a, a playoff team per se, and they're fragile without a couple of these guys, right? So. Right yeah. now, I mean, we know the way the waiver wire what is hitting at two o'clock today. So, I, I feel like you got to go after somebody. Uh, I mean, be, because no claims. Anyway, okay, well there. No. So, <laughs> I guess That's I guess okay, it is though, what it yeah. is. So, but this will end up being a trade if they make a deal, right? That's common. They go through waivers, and then all of a sudden they trade for a guy that's on waivers True. so they can switch, flip the contracts. So just because yeah. they didn't claim somebody on waivers, I suspect there's still going to be some deals that get made only because of making moves to, for contracts and for moving money around. Anyway, um, one. Hmm. so Alex, can you put up the – we'll just put up the lineup that we've got built um, just to have a look. We'll deal with the defense in a sec. That's coming up in a bit. So I just want to – there's – we talked about that need, Matt, early on as camp began for a top six forward. They talked about that second line center. Well, now it looks like the concern is on their bottom six, right? When you take out yeah. Colin White and take out uh, Austin Watson, that's a pretty weak 
bottom six they have going in right Ugh. now to the regular season. And that's where they're going to get. Yeah. I think if you're on the road, luckily they have five of their first six at home. But if you're on the road, yeah. those th that pair or that bottom six is in trouble. Yeah, and for those listening, of course, being on the road, getting last change, not always a good thing when you have a thin lineup and you're you know icing your third and fourth lines to kind of look like that. I, I don't mind... I don't mind the Sanford, Tierney, Ennis line. I think the experience is going to help them out a little bit and get through games where at least they won't necessarily be a huge liability defensively. Sure. How much offensive production are you going to get from those three? I don't know. Sanford, you know, and I can relate to this. I know he didn't have a – it was almost – how do I word this properly? It was an uneventful, Invisible? if you will, Trent. Yeah. Uninspired? Like, you know, just, but, but, but – and that was, and what worries me is that was sort of the knock on him. So if a random player that we would pick up through a trade or through waivers comes into camp to a new organization, you kind of expect that happening to a degree because there's no familiarity with any of the players that you're being iced with. But in this case, just based off some of the reports with this player, that was sort of the consensus is that kind of looks like he lacks a little bit of an edge or a willingness to, you know, to get moving out there. And because he's a big body that skates pretty well. He's almost kind of like Alex Ch Alex Chason to a degree, you know, like where he's out there and there are some nights you won't really. But I, but I, by the way, I like Alex Chason as a player, but I'm trying to find a comparable. Yep. So I feel like that line, okay, I can live with that, especially right now. I think the expectation level is that this team is not a Stanley Cup team. So as long as you're not getting blown out of the water and you're progressing a little bit slowly and you take another step forward this year, that's the goal. Now the fear, of course, is taking a step backwards if you have a bunch of injuries. That, th that fourth line, to me, is very intriguing. I, it's got some... Well, I will say it should say I, Alex Formanton and Logan Shaw and uh, Sabrin. Just yeah, like the and that's second fine. line should I think be Paul Pinto, Right, and, but the board, like these lineups during training camp always changes, right? The lines fluctuate yeah. and you've got guys coming in and out. They're always interchanging. But I think if your fourth line's got some energy, you're going to be okay. Watson hurts. Having Watson out, yep. I don't care what anybody says, that hurts. Because... I met him. We, he was at our golf tournament, Wally, as you know. What like just a great human being, really positive, a big man. He's tough. He can be used as a great deterrent, and happens to be able to be a really good penalty killer, as we all saw last yes. year, right? So that's gonna hurt. I, I, I mean, it, it just will. So, you know, I'd love to see him get back sooner, but you know, unfortunately, we're looking at about a month with Austin Watson right now. So it, it's gonna be interesting. I, I, I really don't know that. I, I'm concerned with this lineup right now, and it's funny because now, you know, my concerns shifted toward that forward group. It used to be the defense core, but I'm a little bit more at ease now that I've seen Nick Holden play and, and Mete and Brandstrom had an okay training yeah. camp as well. So I've got a little more confidence there. We'll touch on the D in a sec. But, yeah, that forward group, man, that's uh, a little worrisome right now, especially with Brady out. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, uh, we just saw D pairings that were kind of – what we expected throughout camp. Uh, if I can switch this up and go to the topic that'll screw everything up. Small potatoes. Uh, if we can go to it next, okay. brought to you by gongshow.com. Um, what should the D pairs be? So as we just saw on that board, uh, we got Shabbat Zub, Delzato Zaitsev is what they wanted to start the season with. And then it looked like Mete Holden or Josh Brown. Like So that bottom four of Branstrom, Mete, Holden, Brown all got kind of mixed up. Yeah. No one ever you're not hearing Michael Delzato's name mentioned very much anymore, at least not in the lineup anyway. Would he be in your yeah. opening night roster? 
Oh, well, I can answer that in two ways. I think that he will be only because the coaches and the, the organization are going to put him in there. You just acquired a player, a veteran. You're paying him, you know, a decent oh, amount, I guess, for him. what he is. Now, now I, if it's me, I don't think I'd have him in the lineup. So, so my ideal pairings would be Shabbat and Zub. Um, yeah. Mete, there's the board. See, this is great stuff. Mete and Zaitsev, Branstrom, Holden, Delzato, and Jay Brown as your, you know, your fourth line, so to speak, and your reserves. I don't believe that that will happen, but ideally wow. my pairing would look just like that as your top three. Because you know what? Branstrom and Holden, they've got familiarity. They've played together before. They've got a little instant chemistry going on. And I said this when they picked up Holden and Delzato. And, and again, I've, I had an unfair advantage there because I've had the chance to play with Holdy, so I know what he's capable of. He can play. Yeah. He's a good player. And that wouldn't surprise me if that's, that third pairing right there, that might somehow end up in your second, or they, you may see them playing more minutes occasionally on any given night, assuming that that ends up being the lineup. So I just, I like the makeup. Uh, I like the how you can split up some of these guys with the offensive-minded player with a little more of a stabilizer, particularly with Branstrom and Holden. And then you got Mete and Zaitsev. Mete moves the puck pretty well. I've been impressed with his ability to defend. I, was, I was, wasn't sure about him until we acquired him, and then I got a chance to watch him play. He can defend pretty well. And, um, you know, with Zaitsev, not necessarily the best puck handler, but he works, he works really hard. And you can trust him out there, at least defensively, for the most part. I'd like to see him take another step forward in his game. I don't know if you will get that from him. But, and of yeah. course, I'm not even going to address that top pair. We all know what they're capable of and they're going to be just fine. So, you know, if it's me, Wally, I've probably got Del Zotto's not necessarily in that lineup to start. And I hate, I hate crapping on a veteran guy, particularly players that I played with, because I know he, that he's, he was a good player, but your role changes as you get older. Once you're in this league and you're starting to get in your later years, you're not going to be the same player. So you have to embrace different roles. And Del Zotto, whether he's in or not, probably going to carry the same really good attitude at the rink. Try to be that positive guy. You don't want to be a distraction. Those are the approaches that he's going to have to take. And uh, again, I just think if it's my lineup, that's ideally what you're going to be looking at. Well, so I guess some hard facts are Delzato, was it two years ago, or I guess last year came in on a PTO in Columbus and earned a, pro earned a contract for a year, uh, made, I think league minimum or whatever it was. Now that Ottawa signed him to a two year, $2 million contract. Like, it's not like he's been on fire. He did play well in Columbus, so let's not take anything from yeah, him. A, but it looks again yeah. like we're doing Braden Coburn and Eric Goodbranson, guys that are veteran guys but don't have the boots as much as they should anymore, and they're being well, forced into the lineup. I'm okay if he doesn't play in game one. If I think Eric Brandstrom at the end of camp earned a spot. I didn't think it at the beginning, and I thought, again, he was going down. He was waiver exempt. All those reasons – and now it looks like he deserves to finally get a chance to be a regular, at least to start. Yeah. Yeah. And, and with Brandstrom, I still think that there are, and I think, and, and, and he's been very forthright about this, where he believes there are areas he needs to improve on. And we all know what that answer is. It's defensively. And for the most part, positionally, he's not that bad. It's, it's more for me, uh, just figuring out how to play at this level at that size and and it's totally doable, right? Like it's it's entire like if there was ever a time in the NHL, it's now for a smaller defenseman to really thrive. And they're cracking down on the cross checking, as we all know. They're cleaning up a lot of the clutching and grabbing, which has been done for years now. So there's a legitimate opportunity here for him. I just it's it's just that that one big glaring mistake that he's that he just kind of 
does every odd game and it costs a goal and it's magnified because it happens to him more than probably any other demons. Yes. But but he does deserve it. He's a really good puck mover. He's got a really good ability uh, to straddle that blue line in the offensive zone and find open, open lanes, open sticks. He's really good at that. He's got really good vision. So I got to give him that. And with Delzato, with the comparison to Coburn and Goodbranson, I think Delzato's better. And he's uh, much less of a liability. I don't expect Delzato to get walked every night one-on-one, -on -one, which, by the way, is an absolute no-no if you're a defenseman. Like, there's no reason one-on-one -on -one, you should ever get burned, ever. There's just It should never happen. So I don't see that with him, where we've seen other players in the past come in and they're looking at their skates as they're getting walked. Delzato, I don't believe, is on that level of being a liability. He can still play. He can still be dependable. I just don't think he's any better than those other top six guys right now. And that's just me being honest. All right. So you're skating back to the bench after getting walked by uh, Connor McDavid. What is said to you on the bench? Anything? If you're well, it depends, right? Like, so Mc, McDavid might be an outlier, as we all know, because he's incredibly fast. But <laughs> there are also proper ways to defend Connor McDavid. And maybe it's not trying to stay up the ice with an incredibly tight gap. Sometimes with some players, you have to respect their speed and back off a little bit. We've talked about this before keeping all those players in front of you. So to me, it's like, I know we all know coaches, at least from a player's point of view, they preach the yeah. crap out of having good gap. That is crucial as an NHL defenseman. When you've got a fast player like a Connor McDavid or a Nate McKinnon, you have to understand that one-on-one, -on -one, they're probably going to skate faster forward than you can skate backwards. And you have to come to terms with that. So you back off, you keep them in front of you and you give up outside shots. So again, those are things and those are philosophies that a player like Branstrom can take on. But I think, again, with him, I just like the way he played with Holden. I think Holden is such a good stabilizer. And no one talks about him because all the focus has been on Branstrom and Del Zotto and Zub because and so-and-so. No one likes so boring. Holden, uh, yeah, and boring wins hockey right? games. Look at the Stanley Cup right. winners over the last X amount of years. And those and look at and I know you agree with me, Wally. I'm just saying, so forgive yep. me. I'm not trying to yell at you here. But these are the <laughs> that's how you make up a good team. You got a guy yep. back there who is a stabilizer um, that that cools things down. Uh, Paul McLean used to tell me this all the time when I was playing with Eric and he'd pull me aside for the odd, the odd shot. He wants you to put out fires. Your job, Meth, is to put out fires. I don't want you to touch the puck too much. I don't want you to carry the puck up the ice. Just put out fires and stay back. And I thought, okay, I'll do that. So that was my role. So that's what that's what Nick Holden's going to do. And I think, I think truly, and I mean this, and I'll leave it at this, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people because he's a pretty good skater. He's very intelligent and he can move the puck. Uh, quick, I have a question for you. Uh, we might put it up in the poll uh, on the chat is, who will have more points at the end of the season, Victor Mete or Eric Brandstrom? <laughs> How do I even answer that? I mean, I, I guess I could flip a coin and it comes down to opportunity, right? So a question like that, it, it comes down to who's going to be on your second unit and who's going to be running that power play. You know, like like I know we talk about Branstrom. Mete, people sleep on him. He's got some good skill set. And I think you could also rely on a guy like him to move that puck around. So again, it just depends who plays more if if and, and who gets more power play time. So again, that's a coin flip. If Branstrom can, can, can thrive, excuse me, and see some legitimate power play time, it'll be him by a landslide. I just want the answer. Just give me the one. Well, I just said, I gave you one. Well, it's if it's Brandstrom. Okay, so you want me to be firm on one in a total guess. Absolutely. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. 
That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll say, I'll say just for the sake of the argument, assuming Mete plays a little more, I'm going to go with Victor Mete on even strength points alone. Well, early on here, like 33 votes in or so, it is Brandstrom's 67%. By the oh, fans. I know. I'm so, and like I said, if, if Branstrom is on the power play, it'll be Branstrom. But Branstrom has a short leash, and I, I think that that needs to be somewhat. People need to understand that Branstrom, while yeah. he may be in the lineup on opening night, he does not have yeah. the same leash. I don't think that Victor Mete does. And so, with the ability to send yeah. him down to the AHL to say you need some more seasoning, he may find. I guess we, that keeps with the Thanksgiving theme. He may find himself out of the lineup more. Yeah, and it will, and, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier before we started this thing, Wally. We were talking about Branstrom and Holden, how they're both left shots, and we all know how DJ likes to play his D-men D on their natural side. So that's another thing yep. where, you know, it, it comes down to the coach's philosophy and what they're comfortable with. But also, uh, and you'll know this point, obviously, is how much are they end up going to play together as a pairing, as you see, A, throughout the game, when Thomas Shabbat plays 30 minutes a night, everything gets mixed up, and B, yeah. You never know if there's an injury. All of a sudden, it's now Josh Brown's in the lineup, and they may click better with a certain guy. It gets all mixed up. So we'll see how that plays out when it becomes Eric Brandstrom and Victor Mete in the lineup. Yeah, uh, I agree. Moving on. There's lots of chat about uh, Brady Kachuk. We may have to come back to him in a bit. No um, problem. Next topic. Eat, drink, and be Murray. Um it also works for Christmas time as well. Uh, that's brought to you by sportsinteraction.com. Go to sportsinteraction.com slash volume and thought. Get in on the action. Um, by the way, they are now going to have all kinds of betting lines going on for the NHL regular season as they did for some preseason games. But they'll have lots of different stuff, including perhaps who will have more points like Mete or Branstrom. They do that stuff throughout the year. Go to sportsinteraction.com slash volume and thought. Get set up. Get ready for the season that starts on Thursday. All right. Matt Murray's expectations, Matt, he's a huge question mark based off of last season and perhaps even the season before. He's now had preseason games to get ready for the season, which he didn't have last year. However, his numbers in three games, 148 minutes, a 283 goals against average, and an 899 save percentage. Are you okay with Matt Murray in your lineup as your number one goalie as we start the season? Well, what choice do they have, right? And, and I am. I mean, I'm not going to dodge this and make it sound like, well, we have an issue here. I think Matt Murray looked pretty good in camp. And we got to remember that it's not necessarily all on the goaltender, right? Like, you need some serious defending in front of you and a good play with some legitimate structure. And I think that'll give him the best opportunity. But we talk about save percentages and where he's at and where he should be over and under. We, we set up for the show today, Wally. I took zero. I've got notes on everything. <laughs> I've got nothing on goaltending. You know why? Because it's simple. Just stop the puck. Stop the puck. If you can stop the puck, you're going to play. And, of course, you need support from your players and good communication with your defensemen. But, I mean, to me, at least from what I was watching him, for the most part during training camp, it seemed like he was tracking the puck pretty well. He looked a lot more comfortable. You know, it looked like he had a, an air of confidence in his movement. He didn't seem like he was yeah. scrambling too much. He just looked, he looked like, you know, like, he looked like a big body that didn't look like he was in a panic mode that he was comfortable and confident. So, like, of course, there's going to be room for improvement. I mean, you're on a, a bottom-tier team. You're probably going to face more shots than the opponents on most nights, and they're going to get better chances than you will. So, you know, we, you, gotta, you have to have a reasonable expectation level for a player like Matt Murray right now. So, you know, is he going to win the Vezina this year? Probably not. But you just need him to be at least average, right? Right around that league average where you're giving your team an opportunity to win on any given night, and then you'll have done your job. 
Wally, you might have an argument towards that where that's not good enough. I'm agreeing with you. I, as a defenseman, I want to play in front of a Craig Anderson every night, but not every player has that opportunity. So you got to make with what you have. We got to support Matt Murray. Hopefully he comes out fairly strong so that he can build some confidence and that you can rely on him for the rest of the season. Okay, so uh, last year his save percentage was 893 with Ottawa, uh, 25 games started. Uh, 2019-2020, it was 899 in 38 yeah. games started. And 919 the year before with 50 games started, a career high. So I, mm -hmm. I guess the, the question we have on the poll right now is, Will Matt Murray have a save percentage above or below 905? I'm like for Ottawa's sake, it's got to be, but he also needs some help. Like he's got to have his blue liners have got to start to play. And I guess it's all five in front. I've got to play a lot yep. better, but he needs, I think, based on this team, because it's not that deep, to be better. So I think he's got to have like a 910 save percentage, which is a really high. But for them to be yeah. competitive, he's got to have that. Yeah, and they got to improve, and it's not just there. Like on the on the penalty kill, for example, I think I don't have the numbers in front of me because I'm not organized like you are. But I'm assuming they were toward <laughs> the bottom tier, I believe, last year. So you know, and that kind of surprised me for a team with with a lot of plumbers and and hardworking players. I mean, that's a position yeah. that requires, of course, a skill set to a degree, but a lot of it is just willpower and willingness to get in front of shots and and play the right way. And you could, yeah, we we see it where. You have a fourth liner like Austin Watson who can thrive on a power play because he blocks shots. So I think for me, it comes down to the special teams, like with the PK, for example, limiting, first of all, limiting the amount of penalties you're taking on any given night. So bringing that down a little bit, sharpening up there on special teams, particularly the PK in this conversation. And then, of course, just having good back pressure from your forwards, playing the right way, getting pucks out. Again, all the cliches that you will hear all the time coming from these athletes needs to apply here for Matt Murray to have some success. So that's going to be the key. And and then beyond all that, it looks like he feels good. It looks like he's put on a little weight. We were all yep. concerned about that. But, yeah, he looked good in camp. So I, I'm just hopeful that that can continue and that we can get a little bit more solid play from him. You know what's interesting, that though, and there's been a lot of talk about, I guess, his size or whatever. When I look back at Craig Anderson, he wasn't a very big guy either. He still isn't, I guess, for that matter. And you played – the reason I bring up Andy is because you played a lot okay. with him. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. I was going to say, well, I was on the, it's a good point because people say, well, Craig Anderson wasn't a big guy. Listen, Craig Anderson is sneaky, very athletic. You know, he's a very athletic goaltender and he's in pretty darn good shape and he's lean, but he has a little muscle on him. I mean, I don't know how much he's lifting weights and breaking records in the summer. Uh, most goaltenders don't train that way, but of all the goalies I've played with, Andy's probably in one of the best shapes, at least physique wise. Like he just seems like an athletic guy where a lot of goalies kind of they don't always look super athletic, but they just go out there and do their job anyway. Andy was always yep. very athletic, so I got, I got to give him that. Like, you, it's hard to make that comparison. Yeah, but it just reminds like we get too maybe do we get too wound up about size, or does or does he actually need to be Matt oh. Murray? That case need to be bigger. Well, right? he was. Yeah, and, and okay, I understand what you're asking now, and I think from yeah. from years past, particularly last year, I think he was really thin, almost like. Does it look healthy thin? I'm not suggesting he's yeah. not healthy, but I think he just yeah, needed man. to pack on a little bit of that weight because I I can tell everybody listening, when you're playing, not only are you exerting yourself every day and physically, but the, the mental stress too plays a big part in that. And you just start to wither away throughout the year. Like every time right. I can recall almost like clockwork, every Christmas when we have a couple of days off and we meet up with family, 
my in-laws or people that haven't seen me in a while will always look at me like, Mark, you look, you don't look great. Like you're very flushed. You look thin up, up top. And that's just, that's just the toll that the season takes on your body. So again, like the weight that Murray put on, for example, I get it. You know, he's just trying to insulate his body with a little bit of a little more fat and muscle perhaps so that, you know, you're, you're stronger toward that last quarter and, and, and uh, of the season. So again, I'm all for it. It doesn't seem to have yeah. affected his play in any negative way. So it's a good thing. Just yeah, I, I, I'm just curious about, and I, I guess, do you ever remember, a, I guess, a time where you've dropped a lot of weight from the start to the end of the year? Like, and players will always talk about this about once you yes. get into the season, it's never about trying to get bigger or stronger. It's just about trying to maintain your weight and trying to maintain your muscle mass because it ends up for a lot of guys. I think it starts to end up becoming less, uh, less muscle, if you will, because of the exhaustion crazy. and how much yeah. fatigue you go through. So what's, I guess, do you know what a big weight drop has been for you or has there been one? Well, I laugh. It's funny you bring that up because I laugh every time. Everyone's always all about, well, like we saw the Toronto media, right? They were talking about some of the Maple yeah. Leafs, how they put on weight. I'm thinking like, it's it's irrelevant. Like half those guys will have backed down to their regular weight after training camp, much less come Christmas. So I'm all about that. But when you have three months off in the summer, I'm sorry, but it's almost impossible for a player, unless he's taking PEDs, to get to put on like 15 pounds of real muscle it's impossible a lot of it's fat you shed that through camp and you're lean again so so during the season you know when it comes to building and stuff it's not about that you're just trying to maintain what you put on in the summer and even that is a challenge and particularly for the younger guys that are always eating out at restaurants you're not getting enough yeah. good food it always seems to be the older players with the low the slower metabolisms that are having better home cooked meals at home they're the guys that seem to keep the weight on a little easier but the younger guys like myself, when I came into the league, I'd go from like 228 down to like, you know, 218 or whatever it would be during the season. And it was a normal thing that your weight would fluctuate at. And by the end of the year, you look like a ghost and it's just rinse and repeat every year after that. Well, I think of Igor Sokolov, the poor guy's just drinking water. That's all he got sent to his hotel room the other day. <laughs> that's right. uh, all those cases of office, water. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the opposite is, um, and ever since then, by the way, my entire social media feed is full of flow water. But anyway, um, the opposite's true for the media. We start small and then we get bigger by the end of the year for traveling on the road so much and eating. <laughs> oh, I'm airports. aware. I've seen you guys eat like we do, but you're not even oh, doing but any worse. exercise. Yeah. So yeah. you guys are all going it's to the, the same steakhouses. You're eating all the food on the plane. And it's like, yeah, where are you putting it? I, I get that, though. Oh, and yeah. I'd probably be in the same boat if I was riding the plane with the players. There's no one in the media that ever turns down the free buffet, ever. Well, and the buffets I are will, sick. And, like, when we ended up, when I was in <laughs> Dallas, Wally, you should have yeah. seen the cheese, the cheese selections. It's like the charcuterie board was massive. And this is like, oh, you know, the yeah. day before a game flying out. And it's like two or three in the afternoon. And you're like, what are we going to do with this? Well, you grab a plate. <laughs> And you load up with cheese. And that's just the way it went. So uh, we're spoiled as players, as you know, Wally. And the media people yeah. are spoiled as well. It's it's a pretty good setup. One of the best media, I, off topic, but we were in uh, Boston for Stanley Cup Final for a couple of times. And they would have, so the media meals are always catered. and But the, when it comes to playoff time, especially in the Stanley Cup Final, the NHL takes over and they make these elaborate, very, very good meals for the most part. Boston was always good. And one night, they would have lobster tails and corn on the cob and they've got like Ooh. shrimp over there and they've got a meat carving station. I'm like, Oh, like it's, so you just sit there for as long as you can for the 10 bucks you spent <laughs> on the meal and enjoy all you get. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, they even that's have donuts awesome. every and, and morning if, and they have a, Oh yeah. 
Yeah, if you play your cards right, you just go for everything that's incredibly expensive on the platter, right? So like when we would get seafood towers oh, yeah. on the road, I'd go right for the lobster or the oysters. I wouldn't touch the shrimp until the end. You know what I mean? Like you just got to, it's a, yeah. it's, it really is like a chess match when you're in a big group of people like that. <laughs> you got you to think it out. You also got to think where you're sitting, where the table is positioned relative to the Crucial. buffet. Well, oh. not only that, but you're playing with a bunch of I don't want to swear. You're playing with a bunch of idiots that decide it's a good idea to shoe check you at your table. And the shoe check, of uh, course, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, is when a player goes under the table with ketchup, butter, whatever you name it, and put it unknowingly on the foot of your toe, like on, on your on your shoe, and then they go back to their chair. And then all of a sudden, when when the time is right and the the, the perpetrator is sitting down at a chair again, everyone starts clicking their glasses, and it's incredibly embarrassing. And potentially infuriating if they happen to ruin your shoes. So I've had that happen a couple times. I've seen it happen to Chris Neal where he's either punched the person when he's caught him in the act and or poured a full drink on his head. That's all part of it. So there's a lot of, there are a lot of variables as a player you have to look out for when you go to these group meals, right? So that's, yeah, I, that's my shoe check story. I need to have story. a conversation. Yeah, the shoe, okay, so I'm glad you brought this up. So how does any player because you have to get under the table without somebody knowing oh, yeah. and crawl around Usually to the, do this yeah how yeah. does this how, how does nobody notice okay okay listen you're sitting side by side shoulder to shoulder with a lot of people you know typically a, a big table a shoe check potential shoe checks are only ever really a threat if you're like with a group of like eight like a big long table type of deal or yeah. you're scattered in a room in a private room with like round tables and you're all split up and someone from another neighboring table might come and get you but you got to think your neighbors typically are in on it so you're immediately angry with them after the fact but it's always and it's always rookies it's always someone small and greasy that you can kind of whisper in there okay listen go check go check Chris Neal or go shoot check Eric Carlson or some player, right? And so a rookie, of course, the eyes light up. They're like, oh man, I got to do this. And it's there's a lot of threats that are happening, but you just do it. And you'd be surprised, Wally. It usually goes off without any issues and, and you know, mission accomplished. So again, I, it's happened to me before. The best line of defense is after the fact, don't get angry, embrace it, laugh about it, and then everybody forgets. But if you're visibly angry, Oh my God, you're just setting yourself up. Everyone's going to lean on you that much more about it and make fun of you. So the best thing is just laugh it off. So it's okay. Uh, by the way, uh, Parker Kelly's just been called up uh, by the sense today. We'll get to that. We'll come back to that in a sec because I know he's your boy. Uh, back to the shoe check thing. Aaron Ward uh, used to play for Carolina, won a Stanley Cup, played for Detroit, an Ottawa native. Yeah. Was on the TSN panel years ago. And he shoe checked one of our uh, technical producers. And it did not go well. So they no. almost came to blows in the restaurant. And I don't know it's because they knew what was going on or they weren't aware of what was going on. But our technical producer wanted to strangle him to no end. And so it ruined and a pair see? of shoes. And but I that's think it was the like sour reaction. cream or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and I understand that. Like if you're wearing like a fancy pair of like suede, like dress shoes or some kind of material that's more like porous, that sucks. Yeah. If you're wearing like leather or whatever, then it's okay. You wipe the butter off, you move on. But yeah, like if you're wearing like nice white sneakers or anything like that, and some asshole comes by and puts cocktail sauce on your shoe, <laughs> forgive me, but that's like, you know, that's grounds for a fight. But I haven't seen a fight. The only guy that I believe has ever struck somebody is a guy, is Kneeler, I think. He grabbed whoever it was. It was a young player. And further, one of the best shoe checkers that I've ever played with is actually Zach Smith. And he wasn't even a rookie. 
He's a he's, he's a veteran player that willingly would do this, you know, regularly on the road. So you know, there's always the usual suspects, which makes it very difficult to try to figure out. You got to typically you got to go to another player and ask him to just throw the guy under the bus and tell you the name. Okay, so you, for the future, are we still talking we about shoe these, checking here? Yes, because I'm a little upset with you right now. For future right. reference, I want you to write down what you know about these guys. So when we have them on, I could have, I would love to have had a conversation with Zach Smith oh. about shoe checking, and this just comes out of nowhere. Damn well, I you! Forget. Man. How am I going to remember all these little details? I mean, we covered a ton. You're going to write it down. Is... All right, fair okay. enough. I'm... We'll Understood. move on. Uh, back to Parker Kelly. Yeah. So they do call him up. Yeah. I know you're a huge fan. One of the things they do by calling him up is actually get to the cap floor. So I don't yeah. know like if Craig can shoot out some confetti all of a sudden, but the Ottawa Senators are now cap compliant for the season. So I, I guess a round of applause is needed. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I don't have the confetti uh, re ready just yet, boys. We'll, uh, uh, we'll, we'll right, save we'll that. We'll put for... that in for next show. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so um, Math, I I don't know if this is just a paper move, just to, so they could get cap compliant. But I do know you are a fan of Parker Kelly. I don't know if there's a spot for him in the lineup right now. With if Alex Formanton's playing on the fourth line, and there's no sudden injuries, we're not aware of. I guess maybe Scott Sabern comes out and he goes in. Uh, but you are a big fan of Parker Kelly's game. Yeah, you know what? He just plays hard, and he's a bit of a pest. Gets under your skin. I mean, those are the types of players that you want in your fourth line. Um, because they might they make life just miserable for defensemen, you know, for yeah. opponents. So um, a guy like him brings a lot of energy to this team and this group, and um, I like it. It's a good depth guy to have. Whether he's in fact going to be in the lineup or not, I, I don't know. I can't imagine they would have called him up um, not to play him. But well, again, uh, who knows at this well, point? But like, is he going to play? They so they have well, they had to submit rosters by today at five p.m. So they have to be com yeah. cap compliant by five p.m. So is he going to play? Right. I don't know. But they needed to have a body. In order to to get to the cap floor, so no, maybe no, he I, plays. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, I understand that. I'm just saying, I don't know if he's actually going to play or not. But if he does, I, I don't mind that. I don't mind the move. I think he's earned it. He had a pretty good camp. Yeah. Um, for the most part, I think he got a little. He had a little injury there at, at some point, but I think for the most part, it's a player that you can rely on to at least work very hard, finish his checks, uh, be a disruptor out there. I mean, I, I like that. And I'm in the camp of having guys like that on your team because, again, I, I've been on the other side of that equation where I know what it's like to play against them, and it's an absolute nightmare. So uh, good on them for bringing him up and rewarding him with that, whether he plays or not. I'm sure Parker Kelly's still a very happy camper that he gets to get up uh, with the big club. Uh, and and I, I would like to see him in the lineup, absolutely. And plus he had the injury in training yeah. camp, so maybe you know yeah. he's, he's gone through a lot. Um Interesting. I, I do have one more question, our poll question, and I'll throw it out to you. Uh, who will sure. lead the team in PIMS this year? Penalty minutes. So I had I had Watson uh, only because uh, he's known to be that type of guy. We call those shift disturbers, Matt. Um, Josh Sh Brown, Alex, <laughs> Alex Formanton, uh, because he likes to muck it up a little, or Brady Kachuk, even though he's not here. And then there should be maybe Parker Kelly added to that list. But with Watson, Josh Brown, Formanton, or Kachuk, who do you think ends up with the most penalty minutes by the end of this season? I think it's going to be Kachuk, uh, only because he's going to play way more than those other players. And we know the type of player that he is. Uh, and certainly fighting majors really helps insulate or pads your PIM stats. So 
I'm going to go with Kachuk only because to me it's the no-brainer. I mean, Watson is a tough customer. We all know that, but he's not going to play yep. near the same amount of minutes. So I can't imagine that he'll reach that same amount. So, yeah, I think the safe bet, at least right now, will be Brady Kachuk. Assuming, of course, that he signs a new deal. Wow. See, it's got to be in the lineup, and that's the thing, right? So now I'm like, maybe it is yeah. Josh Brown ends up doing it, or Alex Formanton, who somehow finds himself with 10-minute misconduct right. every once in a while. And then. And then, but typically with defensemen, you know, you don't get a lot of minors, at least you shouldn't. So, you know, for Josh Brown to beat him out on on yeah. on fighting majors alone, I just don't see happening. So again, I wouldn't put my money on a defenseman. They don't you typically in the new NHL lead teams in uh, penalty minutes. Uh, noted. All right. I want to bring in Craig. Uh, <laughs> he's been anxiously back there doing all kinds of stuff, including all the poll questions. Uh, Craig. Um, hey guys, I know it's been. Oh, uh, it's been busy. Uh, Brady Kachuk. So there's been a few other ones before we continue yep. on with fan questions. Uh, Darren Dreger has said that if they sign him to a bridge deal with Brady Kachuk, that he'll be gone by the end of the bridge deal. The, I, I don't know how people can like. I don't know why they would Eugene or Pierre would put themselves in that kind of predicament before we even sign the first deal to get there. But would you? Like, do you see this as a possibility that they're going to know what? You know what? Two years, we're moving them regardless because now we're upset and we don't want to have to go through this whole negotiation again. You're asking me? What do I think on those things? No, I'm I asking. That, I'm, yeah, I mean, we're yeah, just chat, talking in general. Yeah, I mean, I think that the problem is, is like what what I was doing some math the other day and um, they're asking Brady. Brady's looking to sign what? A three-year, four-year bridge thing? Man, Eric Carlson was yeah. traded three three years ago. Like, look at the, look, mm. look how much the landscape can change. Like these days of like committing to these huge eight year contracts, like you either a leave money on the table or B uh, you get locked into a situation. And if it's not what you want long-term, then, I mean, you're kind of stuck. So I, I've been, I've been trying to process his bridge request for a while to see, try and take maybe the player side of it. And Drager's comments obviously lead into that, right? Like what he might be looking for. Yep. And it's just, it's, it's interesting to see just how different the landscape was right from three years ago. Yeah. Yeah, and nothing's to say if Brady Kachuk signs an eight-year contract if they're not trading him by year three or four anyway because it's probably back end loaded and the contract will be worth more at the end. They don't want to pay, so like there's nothing guaranteed in any of these negotiations of what's going to happen a year from now or two years from now. So yeah, the it's only argument interesting there, that Wally, it's come out this way. Yeah, yeah. The only argument I wanted to add there to that is that at least in this case. With a player like Brady, assuming he did sign an eight-year deal, he's not going to be some over-the-hill 36-year-old uh, NHL nope. forward, right? He's still going to be relatively young. So you'd like to think he's still in his prime at that point. So I don't think that, you know, I think at that point, the, you know, the point itself is moot and that he'll still be a very effective NHL player. But I agree. I, and I think he had I, But I'm not saying that he's not too. effective, though. No, 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 I know you're like, not saying that. I'm just saying for those that make that argument, well, we don't want to commit to this or that. I think... I think ultimately, and you guys bring up good points, it comes down to how often does a player who signs a long-term deal actually ends up staying with said organization, right? I think that's the mm -hmm. realistic, sobering truth to signing a long-term yeah. deal that we've all seen. I mean, I signed uh, you know, a four-year deal with Columbus, and that, after that first year, I was, I was shipped out. So it's all relative. And, and again, you can look into it as much as you like, but to me, and I'm, I'm in the camp that it makes no difference, whether it's a bridge deal or not, I think at the end of the day, you want both sides to be happy and you certainly want your star player and potential captain to be happy. So again, uh, there's no reason why any of this hasn't been done yet. I don't get it. I wish I could be a fly on yep. the wall and understand what's holding it all up. But, you know, unfortunately, we don't have that access.
Can't you just call up Brady? Um, the you know what? <laughs> maybe Craig, Craig. Maybe you could get a hold of Brady again. I just and maybe talked to you him. Could actually, find yeah. out what's going on. Yeah, yeah, I was just talking to yeah, him. Yeah. We asked asked him a couple questions, and yeah, yeah, yeah. We put it up. I don't know if you guys saw. Yeah, it was. Uh, I hit him up. I figured someone should get to the bottom of this. So yeah, yeah, we. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I didn't know you guys were close. Um, <laughs> you had me there for a second. I'm thinking like, wait, you actually talked to him, and then I realized that Craig, that Craig made <laughs> yeah, that ridiculous yeah. video. <laughs> I had a few people tell me the same thing too that I maybe clickbaited them a little bit. So uh, apologies to anyone that maybe Good. got no, roped in. That it was just nonsense. a little. It's all fun. Ah, a little joke, little joke for the funs there. But yes, <laughs> some, some funny yeah, stuff there. Boys, my camera's well freezing every now and then, so just a heads up. I may drop. Uh, here at some point, I have some technical oh. issues on my end, but just adds up. Everything else seems to be going good. Chad is on fire uh, as usual. There's yeah, there's lots of questions. Um, yeah, absolutely. Where do you want to begin? Um, you know what? I was gonna start with some of these Twitter ones, but our our chat today. I mean, they're here, right? So let's start with these guys. Uh, I asked yeah. a few. We, I got a few. And we do here. appreciate. Oh yeah, yeah. man. I just want to say we appreciate all the people uh, that yeah. tuning in. Yes. Um, it is fun and it's actually fun to read along so uh to yeah. ninja high he's he's my favorite he always likes me he's great do you want to start with one of his you can start with one of his sure, sure. Yeah. Asked, uh, yeah he asked uh thoughts on fewer preseason games what do you guys think about that Shortening well carolina played four yeah, um like after after last season with no preseason games i i didn't miss it i can tell you that so i'm not a player so i don't need to get ready but as covering it I don't care if there's a preseason game ever again. Meth, do you want preseason games as a player? Um, oh, I, I, well, there's no secret. I've talked about this already. I hate preseason because being a stay-at-home defenseman, so to speak, well, retired, of course, and having to block shots, kill penalties, you don't want to do that more than you have to, right? So, yeah, I can understand a skilled guy out there barely laying any bodies. You know, you just feel in the puck. It's a little easier for those guys, but... Um, again, I don't, I doubt that'll ever happen because we're talking revenue right now that you're axing away from the owners. They could, if the owners could play 12 preseason games, I'm sure they'd be all for it. So again, yep. ideally for me in a perfect world, you'd look at like five, four or five, and then that would put pressure on the team to have a tighter training camp and get the, to that lineup together right away. But again, uh, given the circumstances and the fact that there was no, no training camp last year, I can understand having seven or eight games this year and how that would be beneficial for the organizations. Well, I, I got to go back and I'm going to say mid 2000s. I think the Sens were playing or 11 or 13 preseason games. Like it was a ridiculous number. And the reason was, was revenue. So it might've even been earlier, but people don't remember for the most part, the Ottawa Senators traded basically Rick Dudley to Tampa for Rob Zaminer and three exhibition games. And they, ended, they used those exhibition games to get the money because they needed it because the team was in financial hardship and bankruptcy and all that mm. stuff. But I, I'll never forget the GM got traded for a player and three exhibition games. Yeah. Well, that's funny. I, I mean, I'd be all for that. I don't even, I mean, if, if I played one exhibition game, I'd be happy with that. So you're asking, yeah. you're asking the worst guy who's incredibly pessimistic when it comes to preseason games. So again, a, a very biased opinion. Yeah. Brent, what about you? What about you in preseason? Do you like it longer or shorter? Covering it? No, I, it's, preseason's painful. It's just long yeah. and drawn out, and you got a bunch of guys in lineups that are never going to play, or they're not going to play anytime soon in the National Hockey League. So let's just—we yeah. need to get to a roster that we can talk about. Because I always love at the beginning of training camp, we'd always do stories like, and I don't want to pick a name, but I'll Igor Sokolov. He's going to be the next great right winger. He's going to be on the and then two days later, he's sent down to the AHL. Like. We do this all the time to players. 
who are just coming in who don't have a shot of making the team. But that's all we got to talk about in the lineup that night. I do it like I, I want to bring Eddie Olchek on at some point because I had to cover Sidney Crosby's training camp uh, his first year in Pittsburgh. And Eddie Olchek was the head coach at the beginning of the year. And I went to Eddie. Uh, I think it was after like day three. And I said, listen, Edzo, I apologize because every day I need to ask you about Sidney Crosby. And I know every day you're not going to have anything else extra to say to me, <laughs> but I do need you to know. And he's like, "You're, I'm okay with that. You're fine. We'll be good. And he was always very good to me. And that was always the thing. Like you have to repeat yourself for the first two weeks of training camp over some either first round pick or new guy or whatever. It just gets drawn out. Hmm. Sorry, I'm still pulling questions from the chat here while we're talking. Um, okay, listen, here, I got another one. Another one from the chat that came in earlier. Uh, the Boom 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 3, big fan of the username. Uh, they asked, would Bobby <laughs> Ryan be a, be a good fit on the Sens? Now, uh, Bobby Ryan was just let go from his PTO in Detroit. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going I'm to touch on that because Bobby, Bobby just texted <laughs> me as we speak right now. He's oh. messaging me, and I think he wants me to share some info. So... I'll, I'm just waiting for him to send something here, and I'll be able to share it with everybody. Get but him it was... in the chat. Tell Bobby to come in the chat. Yeah. Wait a sec. Is, is this going to be like a Craig exclusive interview or like a real oh, yeah. one? Am I talking to Bobby next? <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, yeah, like I think I think he respects the organization from what I'm understanding here at least, that he's yeah. got nothing but respect for Steve and the organization. But um, I guess it just he got an offer that just didn't make sense. So things okay. didn't really work out and it got a little complicated and he's kind of had to walk away from that. So that's what I'm kind of garner or gathering right now. Um, so I know he's still a good player. He can play. We saw him last year and he can still move around. So it'll be an interesting yeah, pickup for whoever decides to go there. All right. So no question. He's got great hands and can, and can play, but is he a top six forward? Like where does he play in someone's lineup right now? Well, look at Corey Perry. What's Corey Perry? Right, like I'm just using that as an example. He's a of hard course. trophy it, winner, though. Yes, but he's older than Bobby. Bobby moves just as well as Corey. Happens to be very skilled as well. I'm just saying. I, I mean, is, if I'm building Brian, a team and I'm riding down, we could talk. Like he's a guy that he just he he didn't have a contract last Ryan year. Boyle? He went right. to the, yeah, yeah. Is that maybe? Is that maybe but the here, route no. Bobby takes or? No. Yeah. no, here's what, oh, maybe you might be right. Here's, but here's the difference I think with Bobby Ryan and Corey Perry or Brian Boyle is Bobby is a highly skilled top line, number two overall pick. And those other guys can play that grinding fourth line game. Okay, I don't well, know that Bobby can play a fourth line role is all I'm getting at. Well, I think he could, I think he could for sure. He'd probably embrace it. And it sounds to me like they actually, he was in fact offered a one-way deal. Um, okay. And then things just kind of fell apart. So um, and, and there was waivers involved where he, ex if he accepted the deal, then he had to go through waivers afterwards to make up some room or something. So again, kind of a, it's hard going through text and doing this on our show, yeah. but, uh, very interesting, you know, like, again, I think it's a player that can definitely still contribute. I don't want to make this whole show about Bobby, but it's news nevertheless. So here we are. Uh, Craig, I would like a poll question of because uh, there's lots of stuff about hair in here today. Um, yeah, who had oh, the better the hair of the three of us? Okay, I'll yeah. drop in a second here. Because uh, Craig, while I'm doing good, it's not bad. Actually, but well, can I we? Cut my own, I cut my own hair. I'm a psychopath, so I don't have a built-in. <laughs> oh, yeah. so I was I like, do you have the floppy? No, I just kind of guess. It's a wow. disaster in the back. But the thing is, is most people will see me like this, so it's I can cut my hair so it looks good, straight on. And that's your that's TV ready. That's what we call it. That's it. But anywhere you that's, look at me from a different angle, it kind of goes awry here. 
Um, okay, well, um, I'm can we just? I want to touch on uh, Kyle yep. Turris for a second because people yeah, keep ahead. saying bring back Kyle Turris. One, he's not coming back uh, based on how it ended with the organization, and two, I'm not sure that he would fit into this lineup. I would just put him with Chris Tierney at the moment. I don't think that there's any difference in switching out the two. Well, and there's no point, right? Like, why would you go after with with the depth that we have right now? And unless you're making a legitimate run for something, you're not necessarily yeah. desperate to go looking for pieces. You know, like, and again, I'm like everybody. I want to see this team do well, and I want to, I want them to win. But why would you go after a bunch of older players? You know, on on some expiring deals or whatever it may be only to have them around for maybe a year. Maybe you're unhappy with the way they're playing or they're not producing enough. I mean, you've right. got tons of young talent here in the organization. They've drafted so well. So it's like, you've got your pick at the litter. You might as well use that up. Uh, if you can find an opportunity to pick up maybe perhaps a legitimate potential top six, I'm all for it. But um, to find players like, you know, like that, I, I just don't see it. Not, not in this circumstance with the way the rebuild's been going. Uh, by the way, I need a haircut, so this hasn't been brought up. But I'm f a week past where I normally get my haircut, so Wally, that's why I feel like Wally, I'm not you look do like well. you look like shit, and I don't say that very often. <laughs> so maybe maybe clean it up wow, for the next show. Wow. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I last I do have another question I saw earlier on is, uh -huh. and I I think and Craig we brought this up I think either yesterday or earlier today is do we do we send Dude, Tim Stutzla and or Shane Pinto need yeah. time in the AHL to get ready to play in the National Hockey League. Ooh, that was my, uh, and I want to focus more on Tim Stutzla. Yeah, that was from Rick on Twitter. Rick at Rick three four two eight asked, "Could Stutzla use twenty <laughs> games in the AHL? He looks lost at sometimes." Is what Rick wrote. Um, yeah, Matt. Well, what do you think? I mean, you you are oh. you're a product of the AHL. It's different times, obviously, and you're a different player, but. What do you think about these young players these days? Do you think that they have a benefit for maybe spending some extended time in the AHL? Or if they're ready, do you learn in the bigs? I uh, I don't – it's a really There's hard a question. But, yeah, yeah it, it is to a degree. For sure, it's player-dependent. But in a player – I'll just be specific here. In, in Tim Stitzler's place, a case, rather, um, yeah. I don't see the benefit. What's Where's the benefit? I mean, um, just because he's having a maybe a bit of a slow start here during camp or doesn't look great – I mean, first of all, the game is completely different once the regular season starts. And it might be yeah. different in Tim Stutzler's benefit, right? Like, yeah. all of a sudden, you're playing with NHL players that know where you are, that can actually get you the puck and allow you to do what you need to do as a skilled player. Whereas it's more of a, you know, a, a messy product in the post in the preseason, a lot like maybe more akin to playing in the American Hockey League where players are all over the place and no, not everybody's in the right position, so it's hard to excel um, I, I just don't see it. Today's game at the NHL level is a young man's game. You need good legs. You need to be able to move and play with pace. Tim Stutzler can do that. And so, and he's a big, he's, he's not a small player. Like he's, he's pretty heavy. He's mature for his age. He moves very well. He's got great hockey IQ. I mean, I, I just don't, I think you have the benefit here for players such as Tim Stutzler where you can just see where they are in 10 games, you know, wait 10 games into the regular season. If he's really struggling to the point where you're like, I can't even play him anymore. Then you can explore that option. But to me, I just don't see the benefit anymore. I could understand this conversation 15 years ago. I don't believe it applies anymore. Look at the league. Everybody's so young. All the best players in the NHL now are the young guns on these teams. So 
I, I don't I don't agree with it. I can appreciate Rick's enthusiasm and where he's coming from, but I don't think it applies to Tim Stutzler. Brett, what do you think? Interesting. Well, so there's a couple of things. Then do you take him off a top two line and put him on a third line or whatever just to – you cut his minutes back is basically what I'm trying to get at because well, you can see if he's struggling, do you just let him struggle on a top line if you're – and at the end of the day, no. it's about winning hockey games, right? So I feel so like – yeah. Go ahead. So does he? If you play top line minutes, nobody said when Drake Batherson was playing the American Hockey League that the AHL was too good for him and all this stuff. Well, it's is Tim Stutzla like Drake Batherson, like Josh Norris, and all these other guys who have come up from the the AHL and have now thrived playing uh, because Troy Mann has done a phenomenal job of getting them to play the right way and to get in their confidence back. And that's a really good argument, right? Because we all know it coach man is capable of with these young players and the track where he has and you can't just we can't sleep on the drafting and the scouting either i mean these are some good players to begin with that are coming up into the sure. system so you know it's not just development at the american league level they're, they're drafting very well so uh, you know again it, it just comes down to the individual i think tim stitz is a much different player from, from some of these other guys as, as we just mentioned and that his ceiling is incredibly high only because we know what he's capable of offensively. He's got a terrific shot. He sees the ice just a little different. He's a little more creative than some of these guys. He's a he, he's your potential perennial all-star. So I just think at this point, I don't like even entertaining this conversation because we're, we're not even into the regular season yet. I get it. People want to talk about it. And it's it's you know it's a contentious discussion potentially because we're talking about a potential star player. But again, it's too soon. Like, come at me with this question in 10 games if he's still struggling, but give him an opportunity here to play some regular season games and, and then see where he's at. What, what did you see in the preseason from Tim Stutzla? There was a lot of chatter that he wasn't very good in the preseason. Yeah, I saw that too. And there was some hesitancy. Flashes, and, I think. Um, it, yeah, but, but, but you saw flashes of, mm -hmm. of, of really good play and vision. And so to me, it's like if he was completely non-existent, I would understand this, but Again, don't don't attribute his struggles to now because let's let's face it, the lineup is all jumbled up right now, right? Without Brady, one of your key mm -hmm. pieces, everything's all screwed up. Everyone's all shuffled around. You're playing with players you're not used to. I think once you get that, once you get back to that chemistry where you're playing with your line mates, in this case with Tim Stutzler, I think you'll see a much better, more assertive player. But again, I, I refuse to judge a veteran player or a, rather, excuse me, an NHL player based off his preseason play. It's just unfair. I think that applies more to the fringe guys where you're looking for something like a Branstrom perhaps. But in this case, give him a couple games, see what he can do. And then you can, you know, we can have that discussion. Um, but I just, Matthew, we didn't put it up ahead, here, but I, but, I, but I spent a lot of time on headlines and the last one should have been stuffing to talk about. And that would this be is, yeah. what we should be into right now. This is stuffing to talk about. Yeah, we're <laughs> stuffing to talk about. <laughs> Only because I just want to see mess reaction. Yeah, to the punch. What, yeah, <laughs> it's just well, it's that's what Wally does, and I and it and I can appreciate it. Right, uh, it takes a little work to come up with something allegedly clever. I just I'm sick of it. Not really. So I'm not going to even address it. <laughs> okay. Uh, Matt, when you're talking about it being a young man's game these days, I, I totally agree. But uh, when you look around the league and you see what happens with like a Cockney Emmy for whatever reason, right? A guy that maybe shouldn't have started in the NHL, but then he'd never had that yeah. exit route to go back to the AHL and it kind of wrecked him and they had to move on from him. And you see that happen with players here and there. I mean, it could be sure. 
could happen with a Shane Pinto for the same thing. Like, is that something where maybe the AHL could be looked at as a prove it there first kind of league? Like, I, I mean, that's, yeah. I remember Eric Carlson, Eric Carlson had to do that one year. They, he clearly yeah. was one of but the Eric, top six defensemen, but yeah. But Eric didn't want to be there. Like no, no part of him wanted to be down there. And I, pretty sure he held out until they finally called him up otherwise he was going to go back home so that's an exception he threatened that, uh, yeah he, did. he threatened yeah he, was, he wasn't <laughs> he was, going to stick yeah. around no so but he did so, it on the and, ice and too. i can tell like, he was good on the and ice. i'll tell you this when i had my when i was in the middle of my contract discussions and i was still trying to sign a new i was on my last year and with ottawa and i had the back issue so i missed the first two months i think or whatever it was during the season mm -hmm. i missed a whole bunch of games so brian murray brought me in and asked me if I'd be willing to go down to Binghamton. And of course I obliged. I said, oh, fine, you know, I'll go down and play. And I think they wanted me down there for several games. So that first game I go down there, I had to drive through a friggin' snowstorm to get to Binghamton to play a game. And of course you're back down in the jungle, as we all call it. When we played in the American league, it's a different hockey game. And I ended up minus three. It was just, it was a shit show. Everyone's yeah. all over the place. Low centers weren't in position when I wanted to get them the puck. It was, it was so incredibly frustrated frustrating for me to play in that game and so the game ends and luke richardson was our head coach and i remember going to luke i'm like luke i'm getting out of here i'm not staying here i can't and i called my agent i told mike liute i'm like get me out of here i'm going back to ottawa i can't do this because it wasn't helping me i was getting nothing from it it was just a shit show on the ice and of course my first game back in ottawa i had a great game and i played well so the point I'm trying to make is it's not always beneficial for anybody to go down there. It depends on mm -hmm. the situation and the player. In a young player's case, sure, I understand the argument. And it benefited me my first few years playing pro. But when you've got a player like Stutzla, for example, that's already sort of asserted himself into the NHL, you know what he's capable of. We saw what he did last year. I don't understand how you can make the argument to send him down at this point. If he came up and he struggled right away, despite being a highly touted player, I could understand starting him off in Belleville. But right now, it just doesn't check out to me. And again, I might be completely off the mark here, but I just don't understand why you'd send such a great skilled player who's got a really good competitive level. He's a good skater. It, it To me, it doesn't check out. I think it's hard because they don't have a lot of those. Do you know what I mean? Like it's hard well, to send too. those guys away. Exactly. Shane Pinto, like I think he'd benefit from just like just like Brent said. Sure. I think he'd benefit from time with Trent Mann and being the first. Yep. You know what I mean? He could be a first line center down there, whereas here he'd be a second. Not not no knock on that, but he could go get yeah. first team reps and prove that he can do all yeah. those things. But, but at the same time, but if you don't have play, the depth, but if you're you don't have the depth, and if you're gonna play the way he did in preseason, why yeah. the hell would you send him out? You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it it's it just comes down to. You know, it's it's very it's very subjective, I guess. It comes down mm -hmm. to the eyes on the bench and the, the general manager. But I think this is no secret with Pinto, at least. You know what he's capable of. We just saw him have a terrific training camp, for the most part. And he had a really good end of the year last season when he got called up and brought up to the NHL. So, again, another example of a player in a young man's game that is excelling. So And, and, and responsible defensively. You know, to me, that's the biggest indicator. Is he a liability to your team defensively as a young player? He's not. He's going to be killing penalties. He's very responsible and has great vision. So it's no surprise to me. And we were some of the few people right from the get-go that said he had no business being down in the A, and we're seeing it. Yeah. Brent, do you have anything to add on that one, or are we moving on from Shane Pinto? I wouldn't send – no, there? Pinto to me uh, doesn't go to the A. I But I can see Stitzler playing in the A a bit. I can sure. I can see them doing it. If he plays – if he goes 20 games at the start of this year and is really struggling, even oh, without yeah. Brady Kachuk signed – I think yeah. he goes down. Yeah, I think an underrated part. 
Yeah, I think an underrated part of the Norris, the year he was down with Bath- Batherson and Formanton, is like those guys all got to play together. And now you're seeing that chemistry in the NHL yeah. too, right? So Agreed. there's an opportunity for Pinto to go down there and play with Sokolov and play like these guys and build some chemistry and bring those guys up too. So as much as like, I, I, don't get me wrong, Pinto, he's been too good to send down. I think there's some benefits yeah. there. It's just yep, uh, sure. he's too good for right now. Center, centers but, too, yeah. right? It's a different game than a winger. So I don't know. Okay. Do you, anything you want but to cap that basically off? Basically, try. They, they need to get to the cap floor so Tim Stutzla's not going anywhere because <laughs> yeah, his bonus no is helped. Anyway, uh, we will right, we'll just move on. That's all right. We're going to knock out some more of these uh, fan questions here. Let's go back to Twitter here, uh, Matt. This one's for you. I think it's from Ryan Allen at Ryan Hockey Sixteen. He asked, "Every hockey team has that guy who could eat a full turkey dinner an hour before the game and go out and tear it up." Of all the teams you've played on, who, who was that guy that just ate like well, an animal? I mean, I got to go. Yeah, I got to go with the the, the, the no-brainer here, and it's Eric Carlson hammering five hot dogs before a Montreal Canadiens game. I mean, it was something yeah. – well, maybe I'm exaggerating. It was probably more like three. But to me, I mean, you know, we're all taking care of ourselves. I'm having like plain oatmeal at the hotel before I leave for the rink three hours prior with maybe a little bit of banana and a coffee. And then you got Eric in the back room where the sticks are hiding out having three hot dogs like it's nothing and then had a pretty good game so um those are the types of players that are very special and eric fits that mold and um i i don't i can honestly tell you in my entire career i've never seen anything like that i watched a little french speaking guy eat two chicken farms once and then go out there and score okay and yes but that's game. different but a little different but a the chicken the chicken parm thing is different because he's eating that at 11 30 or noon like seven yeah. hours before drop puck drop so yeah. Although it is a, an incredible feat to achieve to pound, yeah. you know, three pounds of chicken with cheese and sauce in that stomach. I mean, he still had a ton of time, right? So I yeah, got to hand enough. it to Pedro, though. He's a legend for that. But talk that to is. me if you're doing it an hour before you're hitting the ice. Okay. All right. That was a good one there. Um, oh, you, here's one from the chat that I wanted to go back to and ask about. Um, to, uh, uh, Ibrahim Murtiza asked, what is the worst away hotel? And it, you don't have to maybe trash the brand, but where's the like the, oh, the oh, no, location? Please, no, let me do this. Wally, I know there's some. Yeah, Wally can chime in because he's just as experienced as I am with hotels on the road. But I can tell you right now, the worst worst hotel in the NHL is the Fairmont in Winnipeg. It is brutal. You can hear like you'll hear every door shut down the hallway. Like it's it's. Uh, the rooms are old. They're moldy and musty. Um, again, I can, I'm can i fully owning this. I sound like a prima donna. But it is, it is not a legitimate Fairmont. It was a dump. And you couldn't pay me to go stay there anymore. Okay. Scathing wow. review. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. I, there's, a, there's been a few, but like Detroit was the worst for location, no question. It's the Marriott at the GM yeah. place. Uh, until we moved, there was a, there's now a Westin book Cadillac, which is The Westin. But – yeah. Yeah, but that that GM uh building was yeah, anyway, it's like Detroit a... <laughs> was it got better, but like it was the scariest walk I've ever had in my life was to go from the restaurant to the hotel. So we're at the restaurant and I you can see the hotel, but they're they checked with us three times. Let us know when you're done, we'll call you a cab. Let us know. And I'm like, we can like I don't need a cab. And so yeah, we left no, and no, like no, no. do you need a cab? So we ended up emptying our wallets before we got back to like I had my wife on the phone walking going we're now passing this street or this street. Like if yeah. I go missing, this is the last time I was on the street. That was, that was always the worst, but the Minnesota hotel, uh, St. Paul, 
St. Paul. I think it's called the yeah. St. Paul. It's it's like that Fairmont type. It's just old and uh, but Wally, oh, but Wally, it's but here's still, what it's still better. It's still better. So here, I'm sorry, but, but here's the oh here's I'll never forget this part. So that was back. It was probably 2017, 2018. It was it was after the little bit of an incident on Parliament Hill um, with the owner. They kept hmm. canceling my room, so I was still booking rooms through the team, and then every once in a while we'd show up. Two in the morning, and my hotel would be canceled. They wouldn't have a room for me. So we, so we get to the yeah. So we get to the St. Paul. I go up, and media for people who don't know, media never stay on the same floor as the team, which is why we we tell the team that we're going, so they make sure that our names aren't included with the team. Nobody's around. So I'm on the elevator with a couple of guys. I get off the same floor, and they're all in the hallway and they're chatting, and I'm like, this isn't good. This is not like this is not going to end well. So I get to my room and I don't even know that I've, I haven't, unlo- I haven't unpacked anything. Like I don't know if I've got my jacket off yet. The phone rings, uh, Mr. Wallace. We can't have you staying on that floor. You're going to have to move. I'm like, I-, I assumed as much. So my my next room is by the air conditioning vents from the restaurant. So all I can hear all night is just oh this loud banging and hum of metal. Anyway, that was always one of the like a lot of that stuff happened. I. I checked into a couple in New York. I could write a book about hotel travel. One yeah. guy well, was hanging up clothes in his closet <laughs> while I would open the door. And I'm like, well, this isn't so. Go get another room. The same hotel. Uh, I open the door. I can just see somebody's bare foot on the bed. Still, like, it's dark. Just enough lights coming <laughs> in. And I can see the guy's sleeping. And I'm like, oh. So back down like can i have another room please that happened a few times yeah. with people already in the room the worst. yeah anyway i got all kinds of stories about hotels there's some good yeah. ones there for sure okay i always knew to ask those because you guys i know you guys I, both have good stories oh the last one was yeah, um good. in florida daytona we waited till the last minute to book for the daytona 500 and i get there in the room i can open the door to the outside in my bed i'm so jammed the only lights like a four foot fluorescent light there's no uh, there's no closet. I showered in my with flip flops, and I think I'm wearing clothes. Like it, I, I want it, but I go to open my bed, and it's there's blood on it. So oh, I call the friend. I'm like, I'm like, just um, do you think we could maybe change the sheets? There's and they're like, okay, yeah, sure, no problem. We'll be right down. I'm like, how about a new room maybe? But no, there was no chance of a new room. So they, yeah, I slept with clothes on for that ho- that room was one of the worst I've seen. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, listen. Anyway, I, I think I we could spend a whole gonna, episode. I think we're yeah. gonna take little bits and spend it over multiple episodes because I love these little <laughs> stories. Okay. Uh, this one comes from uh, Barnabas. He was in the chat earlier. Uh, this one I pulled it off Twitter, but he asked uh, thoughts on cannabis drinks being sold alongside beer and wine at the Canadian Tire Center. Should it be an option? Uh, he wrote, and you can't use because ca- uh, of the children, for as example, because beer and wine are already sold there. Do you think that we will see kind of some? Cannabis products maybe make their way into NHL arenas in the near future. Sure. Anybody? Yeah, why not? I mean, uh, to yeah. me, it's it's a no-brainer. I mean, it's it's probably a better alternative than pounding beer or any alcohol. So I'm I'm gonna I can admit I'm progressive enough to to at least admit that it's a lot less harmful than booze, at least I think it is. And if you're doing it responsibly and you can get home safe and get a ride or whatever it may be, then why not? I mean, I think we're headed that direction and um, if there's money to be made, I'm sure that we'll see it as soon as possible. 
it's one of the interesting things that I follow along with uh, cannabis companies and whatnot. And uh, BioSteel is owned by Weed, uh, which is Canopy Growth. Uh, and they are looking to, I think it's basically going to end up infusing BioSteel dr bio drinks with CBD. So yeah, it'll be, but that's I'm curious how that's that all plays though, out. Right? Yeah, but like it's the all CBD, under that same the CBD kind of umbrella. All I'm trying to say is through CBD or through cannabis or whatever, you can just see how that whole entire market is shifting is my my point. Right, anyway. right. And all I was going to add was that the CBD has some quote unquote anti-inflammatory properties that allegedly help you with, with you know, injuries or whatever it is yeah. or just your overall health. But I think the more contentious issue is the THC, right? It, and right. how much... But how much are you willing to deal with a bunch of people walking around that are perhaps, you know, high? But to me, it's like, no, what's the difference a, between that and a drunk? At least you're less inclined to fight somebody if you're just baked. Yeah, I'd rather sit next to somebody that's all stoned out than somebody who's hammered. Like, that's exactly. a conversation. very different conversation. So maybe but, that's what we need at these games. But yeah. they're now saying that you need amounts of THC in the CBD or CBD oil to actually get the medicinal purposes now. There's now new studies coming out where they've oh. got to say... You've got to start to put THC back in. Anyway, it's a whole other stuff. Ah, but there you go. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, Anyways, I think we could both it, agree. We all agree that it should be in the arenas. Yeah, something yeah. to watch yeah. for. Maybe that happens down the line here as people kind of get more alternatives for things. Um, okay. Uh, Matt, this one's for you. But, Brent, I think you can touch on this one as well, too. It comes from Twitter. Nicholas at um, – I'm, I'm not going to read your Twitter. <laughs> I can't figure <laughs> it out. So, hey, thanks, thanks, Nicholas. Uh, is there any attraction for players to want to come to Ottawa? And if not, how much does it affect Ottawa for uh, affect Ottawa for a Stanley Cup? That's something oh, we've man. talked about before. We've we've touched on the arena location. We've touched on taxes. We've touched on all those things. Overall, uh, if you're a free agent, what are the okay. what are the pros and cons of the Ottawa Senators. Well, I'll tell you, I'll just tell you from a, from an opposing, cause, cause I'm from Ottawa, right? So I can understand that there's more to Ottawa than Canada, Ontario. Mm -hmm. um, we have a fantastic downtown area. Um, there's potential there everywhere. I'm not a business guy, so I'm not going to make any assumption as to where you should build a new arena or whatever. But when you're an away player and you land in Ottawa in the middle of January or February, whatever, and you take the 417, all the way out to Canada to stay at a hotel in Canada, surrounded by nothing. And then you go to the arena that also happens to be surrounded by absolutely nothing. It's not exactly the most appealing place for a player uh, or a potential free agent, you know, at later on down the road. So I don't know that that does the, the organization any favors, you know, forgetting about the taxes. Cause that's, that, that depends on the player. It's subjective to who we're talking about. Some players don't care. Some mm -hmm. players do. Um, but you know, a mixture of all that and, and maybe not the most appealing setup being that it's in Canada. And I'm not trying to offend any Canada folks out there. I've got tons of family. My parents live out in the Ottawa Valley, west of Canada. I get it. I love it out there too. It's God's country, but not for an NHL arena. That NHL arena should absolutely, absolutely, without a question, be in the city. You're going to feed, first of all, there's going to be more arteries getting to the rink. So you're not going to have one on-ramp and one off-ramp to go to and from the rink. Because uh, we all know what it's like going out there or leaving. It's a nightmare. Uh, as a player, we had to it, we had to wait, um, you know, it, down in the arena. Let's say we had dinner plans after a big win playing with the Sens. Well, we couldn't leave right away. We had to wait. Again, I understand this is a first world problem. But when I was in Dallas, you could leave at any time. The, the fans have already dispersed because there are a million different ways to come and go from the rink. So, and it feeds all the bars and all the restaurants. Everybody benefits 
when the place is elsewhere. So to answer your question in short, no, it's not the most appealing place to play. Now, if they have a very good team and you know you got a couple free agents that happen to just want to win and a couple extra couple veterans that want a chance to winning the Stanley Cup, sure, you can make that argument. But if you're just trying to build here and you're trying to entice guys and you're you're holding this city up or the, the location up to other cities around the NHL, it's some tough competition. So again, I'm not trying to sound like a pessimist or be negative. I'm just saying it's not the most appealing place to play in the NHL. And I'm sure Wally could have my back on this. I No question. That's like, I think of Carolina as another one of those where it's really hard. The rink is in the middle of nowhere. Now Carolina's climate's a whole lot differently. Tax rates, all that. But I will say, Matt, because you're a player, you've talked to players, you know, lots of guys still in the National Hockey League. Does the ownership not play a factor in where they decide of how they're going to select a team to go play for? Well, it depends, right? Like if you're not ever reaching the cat, like if you're not going to spend enough money to, to ice a really good lineup consistently, and of course I'm not speaking on that right now because the team is in a rebuild, so I don't expect them to be at the max uh, or even near the top. But um, That's, This ownership, year they I'm were sure... supposed to be at the max. That was said three years ago. Well, I... Okay, well, and that's that's something that obviously can play a part when you're deciding on where you want to play because particularly with those legitimate players, the All-Stars, they want to go play on a team that they know that if they have a legitimate chance come, you know, either free agency the following summer or that or, or maybe at the deadline that you're not shy to go pick up a bunch of legitimate hockey players to help your team out. So, again, when I played here and anywhere for that matter, I never really thought about ownership. It was never really an issue for me uh, because you're just focused on your game mostly and and the players around you. But I could see it if you're a legitimate all-star and you're looking for a new place to land, I'm sure that plays a little bit of a part in your decision-making. No question. Well, I mean, it's one thing if you're at the cap ceiling and you are looking for a place to play where it shows back in when you were playing, the Ottawa Senators were a very competitive hockey team for the most part. Now you're looking at a team that's at the bottom of the cap. Year after year, they haven't had a winning record for four straight years. So it shows that there's a different time, regardless of the – it all comes down to ownership. But your situation compared to where they're at now is a completely different world. And I just think now that you're looking at all that being a factor, regardless of where the arena is, players don't care. They want to know how that arena is going to look with fans in it and how they're going to play on the ice. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, no, you're, you're bang on there. I just know that if you're going to sit here and ask me, what would you prefer? Would you prefer to play yeah, in yeah. Canada or would you prefer to play downtown? You know, you'd like to think that there was an effort to oh. build downtown or at least move the team. Cause it's, it's just yeah. desolate out there. Like if there's nothing there, you're right. I so I, got the, I love it. Tank, I'm the, in Stittsville. Yeah, oh, I know. And, and my, and my <laughs> right? parents, and my parents, my parents loved it. They were able to drive yeah. from, from Renfrew, Ontario, into Canada to watch the games coming from the West with no traffic and they could just glide right in. It was, so yeah. it's a wonder, no wonder these people are all the, the Canada people, everybody West of Ottawa is all for keeping the team in Canada because it's convenient. And I understand that. Yep. Um, but again, let's, like, this isn't a secret. Like, come on, the, the team should no. be downtown. Now, where do you put it? I, I have no idea, but I know there are, there are several options. And again, I'm sure that could get sorted out. It's just a shame that it hasn't by now. Because you think they would have dug by like I remember the proposals going through when I was playing for the Senators like six yeah. seven years ago, right? Like Craig, remember they put oh, together yeah. this big yeah. package and they brought yeah. us in this. They brought us into the uh, 
the into the uh, the video room where we do our video analysis. And I think it was Cyril Leader that brought it in and, and played it for us. And I love Cyril. He's awesome. And he had this really good vision. And we, they showed it to all the players, the current players. And I thought, okay, sure, that sounds great. But uh, until you break ground, I, I'm not going to believe it. So, of course, so, I wasn't completely wrong. Yeah. On that note, I want to just say, one, even at that rink being in Canada and everybody complains about where it's located, the Ottawa Senator fan base used to fill that building on a regular basis, and they've supported that team through thick and sure. thin for the most part of filling that building. And they were among, I think, top six in – ticket sales and they have one of the smallest ticket bases in the world or in the NHL. They face a lot of challenges based on government owning the majority of the jobs here in Correct. Ottawa that they can't use for sponsorship. There's all kinds Which of Which is ridiculous. Stuff. It's ridiculous. So the fans yeah. have, have supported that building being out there. So I just want yeah. like, we always want to harp on it's being in the middle of nowhere. Fans will go to that building if you give them a product and you give them actually a reason to show but that it's, you care about this but it's not, organization, it, they will be uh, there. But it does need to be done. I will agree with that. And that's very well said. But it your your attendance shouldn't just be based off of the team's performance. Like if you're rebuilding, you know, it, it should be an experience, right? Like you're going in there for the experience. They're not basing not it just... on the on ice. It it is not based on the what's going on, on the ice. Right. It's right. all based like you on go what's to in the front office. You go to watch a game, you watch a game in some of these other cities, and it's the experience is incredible, right? Like and it's, it's the downtown area. There's buzz. Everyone's kind of buzzing. There's yep. restaurants and bars that are filling up after work before they go to the games. And I mean, I could go on and on. I'm stating the obvious, but it's a shame. And I'm, I'm hoping at some point, especially as my kids start to get older, that I'll be able to take them downtown Ottawa and go to a fun experience in a brand new building. That would be that. That's the dream. Yeah. Luckily, your kids are really young, so we still have a lot of time to go because it's going to take a while. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> Matt, when you brought up when you brought up that package and everything. Uh, I remember the video we put out, it featured Curtis Lazar and Shane Prince and Dave Cameron. And like in two years, yeah. you guys were all, go all gone. And <laughs> uh, we, uh, we did, do you remember at the end of the year, we'd always kind of get you guys to just hammer out a bunch of things we have them over the summer. And we were doing yep. that about the, the new arena. And I remember we were talking to Bobby about it and we we're asking Bobby about the new arena. And he's like, guys, I'm probably not going to be here <laughs> by the time this thing gets built. He's like, we all said the, that. He's like, I was saying that too. Guys, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We're like, this is all. This sounds awesome, but like, I'm not going to experience any of any of it. So yeah, whatever. I didn't understand why they brought us in to do that. I don't know whose decision that was, but anyway, I'm not trying to criticize anybody in particular. But I thought the whole thing was a little weird. But again, uh, the plans looked awesome, and they showed yeah, us everything. Yeah, it looked awesome. And, you know, it didn't happen. So yeah, yeah, it's too okay. Bad. Okay, um, I got a few more here, Brian. Is there anything you wanted to jump on? I was going to do some Thanksgiving ones. Nope. You want to? Do some just yeah ones i'll do that one and then we'll, we'll get, get yeah, out of we'll here. let people get on with their day here um okay how about this one ian gifford is asking and this is a funny question because are the rumors true that wally will only eat his turkey well done i mean that's really the only way i'll eat it too is if it's cooked <laughs> it's okay. not beef it depends <laughs> are we talking like a griswold family dinner turkey or are we yeah, talking a well normal cooked dinner you know like so that's that's the question god i can't win here but <laughs> i I like. Oh, it's gonna be I dry like white turkey, isn't it? Turkey to be dry and white. Yeah, of yeah. course it is. <laughs> Are you I serious? I can put gravy on it, but so yeah. The other day I went for wings um, with Ian Mendez actually, and, and I had wings I haven't had in a while. They were they were greasy and I didn't like them. I got the air fryer, put the wings in there, and they were dried out, and it was so nice. I loved them. So yeah, I prefer uh, dry. Yeah. 
That's okay. Just it's disgusting. Yeah, I, it's so disgusting. Anyway, I I can't help it. That's so. I know, I know, like, and and I feel bad. I feel bad attacking you. It's not your like. It's it's how you enjoy it. I feel I just, like you know why to me, I like go to a, therapy about you know, my mom, and this might be part of it. Yeah, okay, well, the way that she that, cooked the food early on and just cooked the hell out of everything. This is now. This is why I'm like this. Okay, well that's fair. To, to okay. build off this one, I'm going to bring a couch is... next time, so I can just lay on the couch and we can have this chat. I'll use it as a, yeah, a session. I like it. We'll, we'll walk you through all the traumas uh, and why you eat the way you eat. Uh, <laughs> sticking with that, Matt, I think this one's more for me and you. Without knowing the answer, can you guess Wallet what Wally's favorite Thanksgiving food is, given his taste in steak and shrimp sandwiches? We've established dry ass white turkey. <laughs> well, is there if, anything if, else if he's that eating, you think maybe? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if he's eating a dry ass bird, then it's probably yeah. not the bird, right? So for me, like, no, like if I'm to guess, Wally's favorite is probably maybe the like maybe the stuffing or, um, Ooh, you know, I was going to say the, not the a stuffing, stuffing with guy. gravy. No, I was going to say not not a stuffing guy. I'm going to guess the texture Wally? or something weird like that. Yeah, I'm a stuffing right. guy. Wally, I love what's your favorite? Oh, I love there stove you go. top stuffing. Is fantastic. I love. There you go. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, okay. I would eat just that if I could. You know what you can do, okay. and maybe this will work in your air fryer. Uh, chat, you can try this out too if you like. Is uh, if you ever dredge your wings, like if you ever dredge them in flour or whatever before you cook them, yep. dredge them in crushed up stovetop stuffing, and they taste like Thanksgiving. Oh. It's the best. Wow, oh, it's good. It's That's good. New. Now that the list of things to do. Okay. Um, yep. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, go ahead. No, Matt, I was just going to say, <laughs> just touching on the chicken wing conversation. I was at Jack Astor's. A uh, couple days ago, first time with the kids at a restaurant, like with both kids, because my daughter's only two, um, yeah. and we had the chicken wings there. I think they have the best chicken wings in Ottawa, Jack Astor's. That's where I just had them there. I hated them. Yeah, but you're a chicken <laughs> shit, Wally. You are you are a chicken shit when it comes to meat. So I'm not going to take any of your advice. Okay. Fine. I'm a big fan <laughs> of the chick the chicken the chicken tenders at Jack Astor's. So yes, I will agree with. Yeah, they're pretty here. good. Pretty taste. Yeah, Jack, yeah. Hey, and Jack Astor's, if you want to uh, get in business together, maybe we can talk about you more in a positive yeah, way. Yeah, here, come. <laughs> give us some money, Jack. Okay. All right. Um, okay. Uh, a couple more, couple uh, more uh, Thanksgiving-y ones here. There was another good one. Oh, this comes from Third Line Plug on Twitter, at Third Line Plug. Growing up, was there a unique or special side that your family used to have at Thanksgiving dinner? A unique or interesting well, side? With ours, some... I'll just chime in really quickly. In, on my father's side, on our, my French-Canadian side, we would make, um, it was always an extra side, either at Christmas or Thanksgiving. And they were French boulettes. They were like little meatballs. And you like part of the recipe, there's pig feet meat in there. There's all kinds of weird, funky stuff, but they're one of my favorite foods. So I make them now, I'm carrying on the tradition. That's one of my favorite sides. I'm guessing somebody's not a fan of that. It's that a mixture of pork. Delicious. It's a mixture. It's a mixture of pork and veal and you add uh, pig feet meat in there as well. Couldn't you? Couldn't you just serve poutine? I would have been. We'd have been good there. Just poutine at Thanksgiving, and I'm ready. What about you, Brent? Was there like a classic childhood no. favorite of yours, or nothing? It was just dry no. turkey, some gravy, and stuffing. Some mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes. Some carrots. Okay. Away we go. Yeah. Okay. Pretty traditional, then, I guess. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm boring. Um. Yeah, man, that's that's pretty much all the Thanksgiving questions I got here, guys. Uh, let me. I've been. I haven't been keeping an eye on the chat the little, last little bit here. We've been rocking too much. Uh, everybody's talking about how we're bullying you, though. So I can see that real quick. That's great because <laughs> Brent Brent has uh, some food choices that are interesting, and uh, Matt does too. If the pig feet meatballs are in there, so I don't know if people are going to let you slide on that one or not. Um, 
Yeah, thanks for everybody. Thanks everybody who sent in questions and in the chat as well. Hopefully we got to as many of them or we touched on as many of them as we could. So uh, shout out to everybody who came out and asked questions and checked in to see on the answers. Appreciate that, everyone. Uh, just a reminder before we go, I know, Craig, you got trivia. We're going to do a 5.30 yeah. p.m. chat on Thursday live, uh, an hour and a half pregame show going into game number one of the season against Toronto Maple Leafs. So you can join us 5.30 live. Uh, we'll get in some more questions then too. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Do a little pregame show. Set the table for the season. Yeah. Chat about all your Ottawa Senators and get you ready for the game. So, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Plus, then we can all kind of adjourn and go watch the game and maybe keep the beers flowing and have a good time. So, yeah, it'll be a good one. Maybe you can come up with a new interview, maybe a new guest, Craig. Maybe you could go I, I, back and see what Brady's got cooking. I'll work the phones and see if anybody's interested yeah. in an exclusive interview or something. We'll, we'll go back to the well on that one for sure. Uh, but you're right. You brought up trivia. And uh, so from our last show – with the great Jacques Martin. That was one of my favorite episodes, boys. We got a lot of really good feedback good. on that one. So I think we lost Meth there. But <laughs> hey, just I think he All might right. have pieced out. <laughs> so anyways, uh, <laughs> if you enjoyed our Jacques Martin one, maybe you caught the trivia at the end, which was how many head coaches have the Ottawa Senators had since Jacques Martin? Uh, the answer was nine. A uh, bit of a tricky one there because uh, Brian Murray was in there twice. So uh, shout out to uh, Rob, Rob Scott at Westport, Rob Scott on Twitter. You won yourself one of those beautiful Wally Mathot gong show hoodies uh, that you can see right there and that I'm rocking. Nice. Um, and if you haven't and you're looking, if you're jealous of Rob because he just hooked up one of these, uh, head on over to uh, gongshow.com and check out our collection over there. There's some dope shirts, hats, hoodies. Everything you need to uh, rep the brand on the streets for us. So check it out, buy something, and uh, yeah, let us know about it. Or send us some pictures, man. I love seeing that stuff. So uh, and shout out to Gong Show as well for hooking us up, and congrats again to Rob there. Do you want to talk? Do you want to talk a little shit about Meth now that he left early? Oh. I gotta go check on him. I'm like, I wonder where he is. Anyway, I think he, t I think we he can just built a stick man for him. Yeah, he just said his uh, computer froze. Oh, his computer froze. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. All right, we well, made well, it through the entire well, thing, so. We'll check on and see if he's all right. Uh, all right. We will see you guys Thursday. Uh, Craig, nice job on the show again, as always. Uh, Alex, again, appreciate your work. And see you, Meth. Take care. You're watching the Wally Mathod Show. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.